Welcome to Hort Culture, where a group of extension professionals and plant people talk about the business, production, and joy of planting seeds and helping them grow. Join us as we explore the culture of horticulture. Hello, it's another winter day here on the podcast, but we have exciting things we're talking about. But one thing I feel like I want to talk about that the cold reminds me of is comfort food. So what is, Mm. I need to know, what is your comfort food? Mm. When it's cold and you have time to make something, what is Uh, it? Soup, beans, fried potatoes, and cornbread. Ooh. Dang, that's good. Old fashioned. In the 1800s, you had plenty of that. Oh, yes. (laughs) I've got some cornbread, uh, some iron skillets to make some really good cornbread. I'm just Mm. saying. Brett, what's your comfort food? Well, I didn't know if, if, you know, we, we talk about Ray's eternal youthful looks i didn't know with his vampiric background if he was going to say the blood of a fresh victim or yeah, that's for an appetit oh yeah, I we, see. yeah. you want to yeah. call him peter pan the juices going vampire oh, works. Oh. i assume peter pan was a count vampire. peter pan Ooh, count. yeah that's, that's a, a spin-off fantasy series peter pan is a yeah. vampire mm-hmm. But uh, I would say I have I have several. One, Annie makes butternut squash mac and cheese. That's mm. pretty much mm. a winter staple. Sounds My great. dad makes a, a really good chili that I enjoy. And um, our our week, you know, normal in the week uh, is some lentil soup with kind of yeah, a, love lentils, you know, veggies and some spices soups. and that kind of chili stuff. soup. You're lentils remind me of my stuff. grandmother. She always made lentil soup. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, Josh. Yeah, I uh, lately uh, this winter it's been like big. Speaking of lentils, um, I put together this like lentil based curry, masoor mm-hmm. dal. If you're into like South Asian food, it's pretty cool. It's like uh, tomatoes and onions and red lentils. Yeah, slow cooked. Yeah, with some naan. Even though you can mm-hmm. do it with rice, naan is awesome. Um, and then the other one is uh, I found this way to kind of scramble eggs. It's like this Cantonese sort of recipe that's involves like toasted sesame oil and well with so like fried egg and rice okay all right these are those those are recent those are very recent real good there's a lot of words that josh used that i'm not sure about mine is a a little bit more related to yours um ray but uh i made over the cold weekend i made like Cheese grits with like an oh, heirloom man. red corn. Oh, and man. so like from scratch, cheese grits. And then, oh. I'm telling you, man, just it just I hit I did not grow up uh, eating a lot of grits, but I've developed um, an affinity for them later. Oh, life. really? I, I grew yeah. up, mom always had, it was like, I didn't. we'd no. have instant oatmeal and instant grits. And I mean, mm. she'd make like old fashioned grits, but that was just like something that was always in the mm-hmm. house that you could have if you wanted some like hot breakfast. We had hominy instead of that. Yeah, we had hominy. I, I did not enjoy that so much. But, so. Yeah. Well, yeah. If, we, you, if, uh, you ha- if you have any grits left over, I think I maybe talked about this before, but it's one of my... <laughs> If you take them and like once they've recongealed kind of into a uh-huh. semi-solid state, Ooh. you take them and cut them into like cubes or strips mm-hmm. and you can pan fry, fry either yeah. side of it. Like polenta. Mm. First time I ever had that uh, was at a restaurant here in Lexington where they had a shrimp and grits that was you like cut nice. it in a cube and the center of it mm. oozes. Oh, mm-hmm. mm. yeah. I'd polenta. Say, historically for me, like it's making me think of um, biscuits and gravy. Because gravy, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. Gravy. Any I know I've asked this question food. before, but it's I like to optional. ask it throughout the winter because <laughs> I think we change our, our taste maybe change. So I don't know. But I made cheese grits and they were delicious. And Tyler ate the last tiny bit of them and I was so upset. You and sound he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you, you have so much more. And I'm like, yeah, but they're not made. And I'm so upset about it. <laughs> <laughs> a kind of interesting thing of like the season seasonal thing, not only of, of taste changing, but of food changing. We, we a couple years ago we were getting um, more like local milk, mm-hmm. and we made yogurt. And I nice. noticed in the course of the we were making yogurt year round, and in the course of the the summer versus the uh, winter. And of course, mm-hmm. this is obvious to anyone who has had good dairy. the The composition of curd to whey to everything else changed because of the cow's diet across that period mm-hmm. of time. And so like, it would be a little runnier during one time. I think a little during the summertime, it'd be a little runnier, a little more whey, a little more protein in the diet. And it would be a little less runny um, hmm. in the, in the, and I confirmed that by looking it up on an extension website because <laughs> nice. that's you where you can find good scientific <laughs> information. 
You say, yeah. you say good dairy. That was my first uh, memorable dairy experience. My grandmother, she, I kept bothering her. She was milking a cow. And so I wanted, I was just fascinated with that. I thought that was so weird. Who was the first person ever thought that that was a good idea and then drink that? But I was like, kept bothering her, wanted to, you know, wanted to see the process. And she's like, well, come down here. And she just kind of squirted the milk straight from the cow into my mouth. And my first thought was, why is it so warm? Uh, but but uh, beyond that, uh, I learned to churn butter and all that stuff. And and you said good dairy. There is a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Fresh dairy and other. Yeah. And fresh milk you know um i do remember those those are good memories but i, I do remember the milk being very warm i was like wow that's super warm <laughs> i don't know if it's a sign of getting older or what but i remember trying buttermilk when i was young and like Ooh, being I can't do so that. grossed out and now <laughs> i mean i don't oh, like you just pour myself a glass of buttermilk but i do oh I do. man Take a little swig when I'm making pancakes, you know, a little taste for taste Just for let it go one step further. <laughs> and I love cottage off. cheese, but I will not eat, I do not like buttermilk, but cottage cheese now, I'll just take a big spoon and eat that. Oh, yeah. I love cottage I love cheese that. with a we summer tomato and oh, fresh tomatoes or salt, peaches like, or whatever. No, see, I don't do sweet cottage cheese. That's weird to me. I don't oh, I love it. it. Pineapples but, or peaches, it, either one. Love it. I want, or just, that's my salad dressing. I want cheese. tomato and I'm going to put cayenne pepper on it and some mm-hmm. salt. And it's like spicy. Mm, yeah, yeah. My, I've been thinking a lot about my my dad lately, and he uh, he does cottage cheese with pickled beets and Yum. black pepper and salt. Yes. And I remember I don't have a weak stomach, but I can remember actively gagging at the thought of that as a kid. Um, but maybe yeah, I have to circle beets, back and try I love it again. Beets. No, that yeah. sounds I'm like try that. Like, I feel like I, taste changes as you get older. Like my it appreciation does. for sour now exists, whereas it used to not. Except in candy form. As That's a why a, a lot of kids like actually don't like something. It's not some. I mean, with some kids, it's because you know they don't they don't want to try it. But for a lot of kids, they they don't like something because they can taste compounds that your adult taste buds don't taste. Yeah. So you have to like you know. In extension, we do the hello bite. You have to try everything at least once, right? But. Anyways, yeah. I'm sorry. I got us off on food, and this is a plant podcast, which, you know, I mean, well, kind of dairy is a type of plant. It's <laughs> together. Yeah. Gravy it, it has bloody plants bloody in butcher it. corn grits is the grits. Milk, milk from the milkweed. Nice. Milk yeah. from the <laughs> Don't drink that. Maybe oh, yeah, don't drink, yeah. But as you uh, as you have <laughs> it'll, probably It'll come prevent together. you from getting eaten by predators, though. You know? <laughs> True. Uh, they don't like latex either. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I cut you off. As you have seen from the title of this episode, we're just kind of talking, you know, a little more personal of our own stuff and stuff that we're excited about for this upcoming growing season. I think I'm sure there's other like professions and hobbies and things that you can start over with. But I think that's the most one of the most exciting things about like growing for me is that you can start over every year like it's fresh and it's a clean it can be a clean blank slate unless you put your cover crop down but even then it's very much I think a new chance to start over and I think that's really just really exciting no matter how many years you've been growing or involved in this is that every year is new and I just it's it's so it's so great even even after all these years and all the sweat and stuff it's it keeps you going keeps you motivated there's always something new to try or do um, mm-hmm. is what keeps me kind of at it. Or there's a new variety. One of the things I want to do this year is, you know, I've grown a garden for so long and had a commercial part of a commercial operation, you know, years ago. And I still grow varieties that I can purchase over the counter. But I'm like, why? Wow, when there's such a good source of, you know, the typical tomato varieties at the local farmer's market or local grocery store. One of the things I want to do is maybe grow some heirlooms. And the reason that I've not been growing more heirlooms in my own personal garden is that I don't have the best airflow where mm. I put the tomato plants. And uh, so I worry about and some of the heirlooms are more prone to diseases. They don't have quite the disease resistance as some of the newer varieties, but I want to grow some wackadoo stuff. I want to grow some of the old Cherokee purples. I want to grow some of the heirlooms that are older than that. I want to grow some that I can't readily purchase. Uh, it's one of the great things about a home garden. And I'm the only one that eats fresh tomatoes. I have a family full of, full of salsa lovers, mm. but I'm the only one that will go out and eat a fresh tomato. So I, since I'm the only one consuming those things from the vine, um, without some kind of, 
you know, additive uh, salsa mix, <laughs> aka salsa. not even between two pieces of bread. Like, come on, yeah, what, no, they will not eat like them an on apple. a sandwich. Uh, <laughs> I would just, I'm just talking about just picking them off. I will make a tomato and mayo sandwich in the summer. Nice, mm. I love my that. favorite. But I love my tomatoes. But I want to grow some interesting uh, heirlooms. That's one of the things that I hope to do this year. And we're lo- very lucky here in my county that we have one of those libraries that do the uh, heirloom seed giveaways. And I need to work with them a little bit more closely on that anyways. But um, yeah, get into some of that and bring back some of the varieties that maybe my parents loved uh, that you can't get really easily. I want to do that and also do some beans, some greasy beans, some mm. uh, bring some of those seeds back because I'm losing our family is losing those seeds that we've had in our family mm. forever. So I'm going to not only grow those to consume, but grow those to repopulate the seed bank that we have. So look at you, Ray, you. Rep- repping the home place. Mm-hmm. Need I love to, that. need to, but uh, I, I was thinking, you know, why am I growing the typical? Well, they're easy and they're they're thrifty. You know, they produce a lot, but I, for my own personal garden, I don't want the best producers. I want the ones that uh, have the qualities that I remember as a kid through rose-colored glasses. I yeah. want those that uh, may not be the best packers, may not have the best qualities to ship for long distances, but they have these tremendous eating qualities. Mm-hmm. Uh, these heirloom it'll varieties make, are known. It'll make for it that. from the garden to your to your plate for sure yes it'll make it to, i may just take it's the bread and some mayo down to the garden and a knife in my pocket and make i may the just sandwich on the vine let's push this freshness to the bleeding edge <laughs> I want to be, uh, unhook it from its living you've heard of IV. you've heard yeah. of vine ripened vine eaten Ooh, <laughs> man, that could be a thing, Josh. Yes. It's like, you want to taste freshness? You're tasting the roots practically. Yeah. You're going to have to like, like really trellis that appropriately. Get yeah, underneath that's right. there. Yeah, maybe something where they're hanging down kind of like grapes where you can just yeah. sort of get under them. Yeah. Can't yeah. put that on your, on your irrigation because you're just, you're pulling on the water column, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just the juice out. You can see your water meter start to stand <laughs> or your rain barrel go down when you start to, to, this to, guy, this to off the tensiometers. Oh man. <laughs> the flow rate is going crazy. What is happening? But yeah. Hey, why, if you have a small home garden, uh, that's one of the best things is just trying whatever makes you happy. Now, commercially, we wouldn't definitely not, that would not be our rubric for decision-making was whatever made us happy. It's whatever makes the customer happy and we can produce a nice uniform product, but if it's just me tell at home, this year, I'm going to grow some, I can do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Would you say, Alexis, it's a it's an education problem. You got to educate the consumer yeah, about what the, will make them happy. I tell the consumer <laughs> what, what they what happy that you're going to sell them. I'm like, this me. makes me happy, and this is what I'm doing, so it will make you happy. Too. If I'm happy, you're happy. Trust me, yeah. I'm an expert. I'm happy. Your ter- your tires stay inflated. My entire like thing in extension is every time someone says something, I'm like, you can trust me. I'm a professional. <laughs> Just any t- about anything. About anything, at the lumber yard. not plant related at all. You can trust me; I'm a professional. Love what it. I, what I lie to you? What I do that? <laughs> Might tell a story. <laughs> what about the ball boys? How are you guys feeling about 2024? What other well, projects? Yeah, yeah. So, so we we have, as I've mentioned before, I, I at one point was working at the uh, horticulture research farm, and when I stopped working there and took like my current job. I kind of, I don't know if I missed it or felt a need for continuity, but we kind of created this little mini, mini, mini scale vegetable micro farm in our backyard. So everything was basically the same as it would be in a field environment. So header line, regular, Mm -hmm. you know, Toro drip tape and (laughs) all that fun stuff. And it was insane. And for a couple of years, it was, it was cool. And then Annie and I had a frank conversation, uh, Annie is my wife, Annie and I had a frank conversation about, we're not really enjoying this anymore. <laughs> it's a job <laughs> it's just, now. You like walk out and you just see all the weeds and it's stressful and and all those things. And so um, we made the decision a couple years ago to transition away from doing as much of that stuff and more toward a um, landscaped, fully, fully landscaped backyard Um so not converting back to grass, but going to a fully landscape backyard. We put in a patio last a uh, couple years ago, and and have spent way more time out there. And so my my focus is on. I do bonsai trees, as you, as I probably mentioned before, 
and but a lot of like uh, woody perennials, herbaceous perennials, some annuals, uh, and then Annie uh, grows and and makes uh, t- lots of different herbal teas. So we have I don't mm-hmm. know thirty or forty jars of dried stuff from this last year that are will be dwindled by the time that comes around. And so that's something else that we um, we will be planting. I have a whole bunch of different seeds and stuff that I'm going to be starting either for bonsai or for just trees to give away to people or plants to give away to people, as well as we'll be starting a bunch of herb seeds too. But that's kind of our general MO is, is to lean into the little park instead of the little mini farm. Right. Oh, I no, love that description. A little park. That seems that's that's so big. Yeah, like a space to be in and yeah. for sustenance yeah. like from rather than to work. Yeah. <laughs> Just because it's functional doesn't mean it can't be fun. I that's mean, right. Can't spell uh, functional without I have, fun. I, I, the, the two are not mutually <laughs> exclusive. Sometimes I approach gardening that way, but for me, just messing around out there is fun. But for my yeah. wife, um, she sees it more as functional. But what we did last year is we uh, added a couple rows of flowers and she came down a lot more. She visited and got more involved in. I love that. Yeah. And so we're going to continue that for the very reason you said, Brett, is that enjoyment at home. I mean, that's, if that needs to be one of the functions, it needs to be one of the functions. But I was like, oh, well, these flowers are taking up tomato space. But <laughs> that got her involved. And then Reed was down there a little bit more chasing butterflies and stuff. So it was a more of a good fit for the family for the very reasons you just mentioned. Yeah. Um, you kind of sometimes have to take a step back and see if what you're doing is accomplishing mm-hmm. all that you want it to do. So I think I like it, it honestly started because I was uh, during COVID, you know, trapped at home a lot or here at home a lot more than I had been at other, other times. And I would sit out on this very poorly poured, cracked old (laughs) mini patio thing. And I, we didn't have any shade cover and our backyard is kind of South Southwest facing. And so I would just sit out there and after, you know, noon or after 10 o'clock, depending on the day, I would just be like cooking. And so I got some umbrellas and stuff like that. And, And I started thinking like, I would enjoy being out here a lot more if we had a shaded space to sit Mm -hmm. and some like pretty cool things that don't require me to go and, and pull weeds and trellis them every third day. And turns out I was right. (laughs) (laughs) What Uh, do you know? So so going and sitting out there and and now having a space to kind of have people over and all that kind of stuff. But it just, we also, you know, we do, we have a CSA share and we still buy stuff. Mm -hmm from the grocery store and from farmer's market and all those places. And so the food side of things, we decided to let, let some people whose passion is growing food do that. Mm -hmm. And we would support them and serve that delicious food and eat it out uh, in a space that we really liked. And that, that was, I don't know, there was a little bit of pride for me in letting go of the, the mythos of, you know, people think you all come across this probably people would ask us, you know, on our, our whole lot is like a quarter acre and the area we had in cultivation was generously a 10th of an acre. And people would kind of ask, so do you guys produce all the food you eat on that area? And I was like, yes, (laughs) it's all potatoes. Yeah. (laughs) Every inch of it. Yeah. Pretty starchy. But, but uh, there was a certain mythology about like, Oh, this is what you're supposed to do. You know, you're supposed Mm -hmm. to have the garden and homesteaders, the the hipster homesteader, Mm -hmm. yuppie, whatever we are. Um, and letting go of that, I found not only did I enjoy it more, but like, I don't feel pressure. I don't mm-hmm. feel like I have yeah. to go out because I'm not selling this stuff. This isn't, you know, Alexis is doing stuff because this like her, she wants to build this business and do that. And there is a certain there. Are, I know that there are times where <laughs> you don't feel like going out and doing the thing, but you're doing mm-hmm. it because it's part of a bigger ambition, a bigger dream, mm-hmm. a bigger vision. And for us, that that we just decided that vision was a little bit different, and have been very, very happy with the results um, of that in our lives. I love nice. that. I I love that you made that a a place for you all, and you know, just kind of rethought your goals, and just again, it's that blank slate every year, and it's a reminder that you can change your mind. Like I think sometimes. You know, I, I know a lot of time we spend a lot of money and time getting an area ready. And so, you know, maybe it's not that you just stop doing it altogether, which that's fine too. But maybe instead of veggies, you grow a few more flowers or mm-hmm. or vice versa, you know. And so I, I love that freedom of change. It's the only constant, right? And I do think to, to Ray's point about I, I do enjoy an occasional uh, tomato fresh on the on a sandwich or whatever. 
I have been thinking about getting, I have some, but I'm getting some other kind of bigger pots and growing maybe like mm. two or three tomato plants or maybe some jalapeno plant or something like that to go along with the herbs. Just as a, like, we don't, Yeah. my mindset was like, I'm only going to put out 25 tomato plants. What the <laughs> heck? And it's like, that was just insane. That was, that was what we were doing. We would can them and then we would, it was like a whole thing and, and we liked it. But eventually it was like, I don't want to can. Do you want to can? <laughs> right. yeah. Hottest day of the year. Let's yeah. fire up the kitchen. It's 90% humidity outside. Let's see if we can equalize that inside the house. Um, Let's bring it in. Let's yeah, it exactly. In. So, yeah, it was just, but it was a, an exercise in like letting go of some of that ego and embracing mm-hmm. humility and being honest. And it was you really. You mentioned there's a, you know, pretty nice fabric of um, a food fabric there. It sounds like you have access to some high quality local stuff. So. I mean, yeah. that plays into that decision too. It sounds like so. And, yeah, and we're, you know, like like a lot of people, we are a little more financially stable than we were when we moved in. When we moved in, it was just my income, which was not very much at the time. And now, you know, we're both working, and we both that's important to us. So we mm-hmm. spend our money there uh, yeah. and spend our time doing other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, nice. Yeah, kind of echoing off that. I mean, I, I definitely understand that transition. You know, coming from you were working on the South farm and then get that place. And it's like kind of having that mindset of like, let's maximize this productive space. (laughs) Um, And, you know, living in the city, it's very different than kind of being out in the country where it's like a a pain to get out into the grocery store. And maybe, you know, you have a farmer's market, but you have all that space. Whereas Mm -hmm. like where we are, you know, you have the quarter of an acre plot, a 10th of it to kind of work with. That's kind of, um, Accepting that is sort of the direction I'm trying to go in. I have only owned this space for, I guess, I'm entering my third year in February. Um, and very little has gone on in the backyard. But, And oftentimes I find myself kind of paralyzed by, I want to do, say, one activity. And it'll make me think, well, in order to start that right, I need to do this first. Uh-huh. And like, it'll kind of be this, like, I keep moving backwards <laughs> from when I started thinking about it. Um, but... My priority is to get a space set up that, you know, reflects that I am in the city and I have access to like fresh produce relatively easily. I don't have a lot of space to work with and bang for my buck because I'm obsessed with like functionality. And, you know, what I can get is I've been obsessed with my memories of working my first farm job. My first task on the first farm job was taking care of a very... um well-developed and surrounded by kind of hardscaping and masonry, but this really awesome kind of culinary and tea herb garden that was just set up with really nice, um, like it was a raised bed, but very highly raised to the extent that it was like you could sit on a shelf and Mm -hmm. work with the plants really easily. So somewhere that's just very comfortable to um, maintain, right? And so I can get those like, fresh herbs into the garden. So it's definitely in the scale of like a kitchen garden, but primarily focused on like fresh herbs and stuff that I can pull in. And I have spent a lot of time and effort in 2023 kind of working on my kitchen. And now it's like, I feel like I need to have a kitchen garden that goes with it. That'll kind of like feed into it. You could not have executed your kitchen vision in that space any better than you have. It is like for what you want, for what you, how you use it, it is incredible. Incredible. It's been like a revelation. Like, I mean, it's made me so excited about uh, trying new things and making new things um, because it's just like, God, I can reset the whole kitchen and clean everything so fast that I can get wild. Like the, the investment of time and energy to think through things is like gone. I can (laughs) make it happen. And so now you pull your herbs in, you've got to flow into the house. It's a straight line. Like it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's, pretty it's awesome. fun to think about. And so I'm trying to like bring like the execution of uh, doing that kitchen remodel. It's such a highly functional space already. And it's like, you want to have it the minimal downtime. So it was a real headache kind of thinking about the order of operations. Mm-hmm, and yeah. it's, I find myself in the same sort of like, analytical paralysis about the outside space but yeah i seeing and being happy with what's happened with the kitchen is like kind of made me rededicated to like you know what i can do this i just need to like 
Yeah. Plan it out and it'll happen. And you're, and you're thinking too uh, about doing some, what, what we in the biz would call hardscaping. <laughs> big time. Right? Yeah. Big time. I, I want it to be very like. What is, what is hardscaping before we. Um, it's landscaping with stuff that's hard. <laughs> so like everything but the plants uh, right right it's like pavers it's stonework it's stuff like that it's it's places that uh you know it's set up for kind of supporting traffic and god i bet you there's a really awesome uh concise definition but let's just say like rocks and pavers is what comes to mind um sand and stone I, like i've been thinking uh, definitely that first uh kitchen garden uh herb garden that i worked on was heavily uh hardscaped you know, so mm-hmm. it's not, not a place I need to weed. You can go out there and just kind of right. sweep it off. Um, and my own trips to like um, the Cincinnati uh, Botanical Garden and how they do stuff at the zoo with like hardscaping <laughs> and landscaping where it's like, I mean, they have a lot more capital and labor to work with, but I can <laughs> see how quickly they could create like an instant sort yeah. of landscape feature. Mm-hmm. It's just like. It looks incredible. like it's been there forever. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like have, I'm trying to accept my limitations, but seeing that and see, seeing what's possible in small spaces, um, is really inspiring into like mm. what you can do with like a backyard to create it, to create something that I want to hang out in, but mm-hmm. can also like pull things about you. Your whole yeah. conversation with the kitchen garden reminds me, I've been, I don't know why I'm so obsessed here lately with them, um, you know, and these are current videos from around the world and maybe some um, areas of the world that are not as industrialized or as developed. Uh, but there's a tradition where they will have a kitchen garden, but literally the oven in the kitchen area is outside of the home beside where the garden mm-hmm. is close by. I guess number one is they don't need all that excess heat in hot summers totally. inside the home. But there's these beautiful big ovens and these patio areas that are gorgeous and functional and a very old style that I'm sure has been around for hundreds of years. And I love those videos. And they'll take like, you know, quarters of carcasses of meat and then they'll take uh, fresh herbs from the garden. They'll marry all that together, break it down and put it in these ovens or make these meals or or make all the bread, all the beautiful breads. Um, yeah. But yeah, I've been watching a lot of those, and your conversation reminds me of that, is that, that um, the, the kitchen area was designed with the indoor and outdoor space in mind with the kitchen garden. So yeah, it's, it's outdoor, incredible. I would, like, that's something I, you know, is more longer term. But, like, it, bread has a space that's kind of, like, outdoor kitcheny with that patio. And, like, mm. it's, it, it, it makes so much sense, especially in summertime. I mean, like, those mm-hmm. spaces – there's so much heat given off. Yeah, and it's so yeah, much more and you can do fire. more like grilling or smoking really long kind of like, yeah. It, and I, I will say about that very specifically. So I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't represent any brands yet, but if anybody wants to sponsor <laughs> me. <laughs> Influencer status. If you're, if you've heard of the, if you've heard of pellet grills before, this, mm-hmm. this yes. is a thing that feeds oh, yeah. little wood pellets in. Well, I, to me, they're doing themselves a tremendous disservice by marketing it just as a grill because it allows you, it allows us to, I, on my pellet grill, I, I bake bread, I bake cookies, I bake like a a Pyrex dish, macaroni and cheese in the middle of the summertime. Sometimes you want that Mm -hmm. and you don't want the heat. And it's basically, it is like a electronically controlled oven Mm -hmm. that's outdoors for that kind of hybrid effect. You can still grill on it and all that kind of good stuff, but yeah. Uh, and the other thing you were saying, another thing I just echo what you said earlier about the hardscaping. That was something I don't think that I fully appreciated until maybe the last couple of years. I started doing some research on uh, Japanese gardens in particular, but mm. also other styles of gardens. And the hardscaping is actually in a kind of more minimal, the traditional kind of more minimalist. The plants are important, but they're mm-hmm. so are the stones. So are the areas mm-hmm. of a hardscape like gravel or whatever. You don't have to water rocks. You don't have Correct. to fertilize rocks. If you, the area that they cover, pretty much weeds won't grow directly under them. And mm-hmm. I've integrated some hardscaping. And so that, if that's something, if you're kind of stuck uh, and you're trying to, you want to do some landscaping around your house or you want to do something different around your house and you're stuck and you just keep throwing out plants like we were for a long time, putting in some of that hardscape kind of stuff, which is a huge part of the landscape industry. Mm-hmm makes a huge difference because like it kind of gives like the frame for the picture and if mm-hmm. you're if you're really into the plants or it can be the picture itself and the and the other things are, are uh yeah i i 
yeah, I'm really, really excited to see the, some of the stuff that develops with which how you execute that stuff. And I'm sure I'll be over uh, sweating right alongside you. We live about a, a mile apart or less from each other. So I'm yeah, sure I think I'll... it's like half a mile. So yeah, pavers mm-hmm. when we're laying. You guys those. will be making oh, pizzas God. all summer long. I'm busy long that day. These big pizza <laughs> yeah. I'm Too busy, busy on paver day, but I'll be happy to come over and watch yeah. them dump a scoop and eat the, eat, the, eat the pizza. <laughs> it is hard to kind of overstate the function of pavers and hardscaping mm-hmm. in a landscape because, you know, it's like when I think of those times like now even or times when it's muddy right? Mm-hmm. You have this dedicated area that you can maneuver about your garden and do things without disturbing or messing up the soil or messing up the plants that you can, you know, wheel a wheelbarrow on all that kind of stuff, or just, you know, maneuver about without getting your shoes totally muddy and unable to bring them in the house. You can run out there real quick, do a quick thing and run back into the house. Yeah. And one of the things we use to do to solve that in America, a lot of American landscapes. And you know, you all know, I throw no shade to anybody on anything is grass. Like grass mm-hmm. is the grass doesn't get muddy the way that mud gets muddy. But <laughs> if you're, if you're interested in doing some lawn replacement, that's kind of been a hot thing over the last number of years. Um, I do think hardscaping and, and some of that planning can be your friend. Cause if you are like me and you're ambitious about your ability to weed everything, don't be don't, don't make my, don't, don't make my mistakes <laughs> it is Learn not my garden me. but i'm definitely interested in putting more clover you mentioned like lawn areas mm-hmm, i'm yeah. just gonna in late february early march i am just going to throw some clover seed in because nice. it is possible clover seeds tiny i mean it you can do that with clover whereas you can't do it so effectively with grass seed but mm-hmm. i just want to get some more clover in my going down leading into my back lawn area i'm not going to break any neighborhood rules or regulations because nobody can see it so they can't mind. yeah yeah um but in my back i just want a bunch of clover in there yeah, yeah it's it's nice um I, that same first farm that i worked on we had a lot of pathways that were grassy and they were heavily seeded with like that you know perennial white clover and oh yeah that's it, exactly what i'm going for yeah it was pleasant i mean even if you run out there you know right time of the year you can run out there barefoot and it's mm-hmm. awesome you yeah know, these will will love you too yeah, especially um, if you step on one. Yeah. Um, but we use it when we have the cousins over. I have some that I actually let it grow this year and put nothing on and encourage the clover to grow. And we got, we had pretty good success. I didn't specifically seed a lot, but when the cousins, Reed's cousins, my son's cousins would come over, we did mow right before then. And that would take, you know, the bees motivation away to be there. So that's how we deal with that. But had no issues with that. I mean, we don't have a ton of traffic. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a clover is not appropriate for a high traffic. You know, it doesn't have a lot of tolerance for that in some cases, but it works perfect in our backyard, small backyard. And it's, it's uh, very low maintenance. So I'm just mm-hmm. going to encourage it all I can. So that's one of my garden. It's not exactly like a vegetable garden thing but it's in my home backyard area it's one of the things i'd like to do is get more clover going nice. you have a, a favorite white clover like a ladino or like a new like zealand like or, like? I, I, i've heard of and seen pictures of these like micro clovers but i've never seen anybody uh use them i looked it's kind into, of a gray area i looked into micro clover and they can be really great but in kentucky they don't if i remember correctly they don't deal with humidity they get a lot of disease pressure and where we're so humid Mm. and then there was something with i don't know if it's either drought or i forget which way it swung but it was like it either didn't like a ton of water all at one time or didn't handle drought very well so like you kind of had to be Mm. particular about where you put it. it Yeah, yeah. it was common white is our best bet. It has a wide tolerance, and it yeah. when everything else was brown in Kentucky in the summer, that's one of the things that's going to mm-hmm. be green and loving it is just common white, common mm-hmm. white clover. But the what micro about, clovers are different. Yeah. What about you, Alexis? You probably have the biggest plans and maybe the hardest to summarize. <laughs> Making big moves. Yeah, I was thinking about that of just kind of what I was changing. And I think so this year I'm taking I'm not doing anything in July. So I'm pushing all of my spring, like what I would normally plant, like for summer, like things that you would plant around here. We, you know, plant after um, the derby is when we say like our last frost date is. So those types of things when you would plant your tomatoes, all that jazz. I'm waiting and putting those in probably a month later uh, to push them into more of an August timeline. And that goes from a marketing standpoint. So 
I don't sell as many flowers in July in any mm. market that I have, wholesale, retail, people aren't here, you know, it's hot. So <laughs> I'm pushing all of that at least a month uh, so that I can have those flowers when I need them and just not, I'm going to try and use July to catch back up on all the things that I let down in spring and just maybe have a little bit of time for myself uh, when mm -hmm. it's hot and I don't necessarily want to be outside and I want to be in my backyard that's shaded and you know, maybe putting in my own little garden bed. I did that this year. I put in one, my own like flower bed that was just, <laughs> it was awesome. just for enjoyment and not for, you know, production. I mean, not How to say I would have cut that? out of it. So weird, <laughs> but it is so, it is so Must maximize nice. production. Yeah. It's so, Must I mean, I put. enjoyment. <laughs> yes. I, I put flowers that like I could cut on, but they would be the kind that like I might bring in the house. Like, yeah, I might mm -hmm. use them in a yeah. bridal bouquet, but it's more for me. So Zinnias that's really exciting. Whatever. That's awesome. I'm really glad you did that. I didn't realize Thanks. you'd done that. Yeah, it's right outside and it's right outside where my favorite chair is. Like we have a little side porch that's shaded in the summer. And so nice. my goal is to our backyard. So we have a spring house in our backyard as well as a cistern. And we also have a old teller. Uh, and our backyard is sloped and very because it, it slopes like kind of down into the spring house area. It's very rocky. We it's almost completely shaded, so it's it's like really hard to mow. But it's also like because it's sloped, it's hard like to put. You know, it, it'll take a lot to put in hardscaping. Mm -hmm. So like I'm just you'd trying have to terrace it almost or something. Yeah, something. It, it just there would be more inputs than yeah, me right. just you know doing like a couple weekends worth of a project. You know, <laughs> totally. like like. So retaining walls and you. Yeah. <laughs> Art so sure, 101. I'd like to maybe take the year to kind of hash out a general plan totally. for that kind of place to be enjoying. So that's like kind of more on a personal level. And then from a kind of commercial standpoint, yeah, it's the giving up my July. And by giving it up, I mean reclaiming it is more of what I mean. <laughs> reclaiming my July. Giving it from then, one part of yourself to the other. Yeah. And then uh, I also want to get more involved, want my business to get more involved with my local group of people, like locals. I think that that's where my market will eventually shift over time, you know, over the next 10 years or so, doing more local sales, looking at CSAs, looking at you know, we don't do farmer's market, but you know, that kind of thing, uh, people doing the farm stand. So I want to be more involved with my local chamber and just showing up or sponsoring events. You know, if you're doing a charity fundraiser, you know, maybe I'll, you know, provide an arrangement or something for you to give away. So that's kind of where, I, where my brain is for, and we took on a lot less, but for, for like the farming standpoint and, garden standpoint and i think that's where where my brain is at now of course i'm also an extension agent and so there uh i'm lucky that i get to i get paid to talk about plants and that's fun because that's like something <laughs> i love to do right and luckily i'm doing anyway on the street corner i'd be doing anyways right yeah. and so people whether or not they want it yeah anyway. luckily i have a community that has told me has voiced a lot of things that they want to see and they're things that are just like super cool anyways. So mm. it's going to be like fun to, you know, get involved with that. And so that'll be, that'll be cool. I feel like I, it's like, this is a technically a work, like a work podcast, but I talk a lot about myself, like more personally. So <laughs> We're more <laughs> interested in Alexis, the person. <laughs> We're more interested in the flowers in your backyard. <laughs> well, I like to think that growers, and whether you're like a large scale grower or a home gardener, takes what what I maybe talk about personally and not as extension agent Alexis, and you can use that. And you're like, oh, well, here's someone who is an agent, but also is using this, so it can't be all bad. Uh, so hopefully that's yeah. <laughs> hopefully that's the vibe. That's awesome. Yeah. So maybe we'll look at doing a um, a five k to raise money for me and Josh to get some hair plugs in 2025 <laughs> and we can count on a wild roots contribution for that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll yeah. spot you our wild roots. You can even do like the hair roots collabo. 
Yeah. You can give me the really cheap ones that look about as natural as like a row of corn and bathtub. Yeah. <laughs> glued a patch of brown moss on your head. Bald boys no more. 5K. Yes. Former bald boys. So, so you are, I assume you've already started seed starting? No, I don't start seed starting till February 1. And that's like nice. another thing where I claim my January. And, and part of that is just like, I buy plugs of the stuff I would have to be starting right now. It's just sure, financially makes sense. But also it was like it made sense for my own brain because I don't ever really shut down until Christmas. Like my brain does not. Right. I still have things to go. I'm still finishing out the year. I'm still dividing dahlias and digging and all that. So like Christmas mm-hmm. is like I start to shut down. So mm-hmm. I need all of January. And then February yeah. seed starting is so exciting and I really do enjoy it. But I need – like the fact that January, everyone is like, January is 100 days long. I'm like, I wish it were 200. <laughs> it's like, I need it's to two be days long. Well, and you right. have lots of you have you have perennials and biennials and other things that you're mm-hmm. kind of fostering through the winter as well. It's not like it's or, or just letting them rock and roll in the ground. It's not like it's my toddler high annuals. tunnel. Yeah, you got yeah. the high tunnel rolling. Uh, how <laughs> is the eucalyptus still hanging in there? I we just cut it because I needed to be able to cover it. Yeah. For the cold negative temps we were getting. But so I just finally cut it down. I mean, it would have gone probably until today in the zero degrees. But yeah, I had had to cut it. It was I posted a picture. It was taller than me. And I was like, my baby. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And and you will just to give people a kind of a timeline or a sense of what you I I assume once things kick off, you'll be kind of planting stuff every week for a while or is it more like perspective uh, so once you have your stuff in the uh, sorry once you have your your starts of stuff mm, when do ready. you start putting things in the ground or in the high tunnel and yeah i kind of have so my high tunnel stuff has all been in um, my high tunnels pretty much full the only thing i left i have to put in are my sweet peas um but the tunnel is full and will be full until the next planting of stuff will probably be in april or may and when when was that when was stuff planted into there uh october november cool and well, and December, and I have another round of stuff that I was going to put in there, but I decided to put my sweet peas in that spot and I'm going to try a, experimenting with some crate stuff, but uh, for my January cool. stuff. But so, yeah, I, I kind of like focus around major seeding, like major times. So I'll have my first, uh, I've got stuff outside under like Rime row cover um, that went in in October, September, October. And then I'll plant outside around the first week of April. So that's kind okay. of usually my goal is somewhere between the first week and the 15th, whenever the seeds are. And that's are, some of the more cold heart, hardy-ish right. stuff. Yeah. Right. And then um, usually the next big planting would be that kind of first-ish week of May right there around Derby Day. But like I said, I'm pushing that. So I'm going to have plants ready for – I have some grow kits that people buy. So they'll be able to buy those and, and take them home right on time for uh, May, but I'm going to push that and either plant late May or first of June. Um, so to give myself a little bit of a break, which will be, it'll be really nice in the spring. And then hopefully it'll be really nice in the fall when I have higher quality product later in the season and not have to do multiple um, successions. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. That's, that's the theory, but plants don't read the books. So <laughs> sounds good on paper. Yeah, and that and that just to, just as a throwback to our our transplant starting transplants episode that mm-hmm. you know you kind of start with where when you want to put it in the ground, and then you mm-hmm. say okay I want a six week old transplant or an eight eight week old trans whatever the age is and you work mm-hmm. back and that's your seed starting date because there's a lot of people who get real excited mm-hmm. January February they throw some seeds in a tray and they're like I have a twelve foot uh, tomato plant in a fifty <laughs> cell tray what am I supposed to do. So that just that start kind over. Of theory, general theory. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Start, start over eight weeks out from when you're one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I yeah that, a, that's cool. I got a call today from a flower grower um, this morning and, and she's like, should I have been, should I have started stuff already? And I was like, no, like if, if this is your goal, <laughs> let me put it this no, way. Absolutely if this is your not. goal, then no, you're not behind. February 1st is when, you know, I do stuff. And that was I think reassuring for her that because it's so easy to get caught up. Like if you're on social media, if you're on Facebook, Instagram, Mm. whatever, everybody's doing stuff, but like you need to remember, are they in your zone? 
Mm -hmm. Are they planning on doing, maybe they are in your zone, but they're planning on doing the extra labor of covering things or they're going to bump stuff up or they're going to do something different than you. Don't get caught up in what they're doing and feel the pressure. Go by your Mm -hmm. schedule, you know, look at what you're doing, trust that you've done the math right. Maybe do the math again, but then trust it. The math (laughs) has been done. Read the books or call, you know, call me if it's flower related. I can usually spout that off, but um, don't get caught up because it's better to have, it's better to transplant a week or two late than have a transplant that's root bound because it will yeah. out, that late transplant will outcompete the root bound one. But like, Alexis, what if bragging rights are on the line with your neighbor with the first <laughs> tomato? I will go buy a cherry tomato in a pot that already has tomatoes on it, stick it in my garden and pick the tomato and be like, first. What if first? the joy of horticulture comes from winning the competition? Yes. <laughs> The joy comes from being number one. If you Ray already that, has customers lining up for his eat on the vine tomatoes. I do. His sandwiches. He holds the bread with the That's tomato right. between it. I do. And he lets them take a bite out of it. He, he it's going to be amazing. It's going to be taking freshness to a whole new fresh level. This is called super freshness. So well, one it's going to be a tension- thing. One of those tensions too with the the earliness thing, even even with the high tunnel, even with all the technologies and stuff, it's kind of interesting that there's only so far that you can rush a plant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and and what I mean by that is it could very well be that you put that plant in the ground, you know, on the date that you want to put it on, and then it just sits there essentially frozen in time and you <laughs> could have put it out a week later and there's no appreciable yeah. there's a trade-off there too of like, how how and how much labor are you willing to put in to protect this thing? And it's mm-hmm. much easier to protect it inside your little seed starting area than it is to put it out in the wherever right. you're going to put it. And that, and that that was something we always it was always uh, uh, I remember Kathy Raymeyer out in um, in Eastern Kentucky uh, back when she was doing some high tunnel stuff, and she would talk about these like I think she referred to them as the Janus days. <laughs> I can't remember if that that it's like this period of time where like everything slows down so much. And so with, with high tunnels, you maybe could either have enough growth going into that slowdown that you can harvest. We would do mm-hmm. that with kale, for instance, we'd have these big bushy kale that needed to be harvested if it was a normal window, but they were so slowed down that we could mm-hmm. just have that log to, to harvest. But the point mainly being you can only push things so, so fast and and we live in a fast pushing culture. And so don't, don't get in too big of a rush. And if you get them in, if you get your tomatoes in, in early June, you're still going to be eating some tomatoes this year. And, uh, and you might miss some, you know, blight windows that come in, you know, in May, like totally, I I always think there's kind of a reason for being late. Like what I have learned, even as someone who like commercially has to have things available, right. And have all these people that I'm selling to like, there's a re I feel like there's always a reason and I'm always I'm always glad. Like my first disappointed, I'm like, man, these doubt da- like dahlias, these dahlias should have been in a month ago because that's been me more than one year. But then when I see that my dahlias look a lot better in September than someone who got them in way earlier, you know, I'm hitting my better market window than when they had beautiful dahlias in July. Mm-hmm. And that's just as an example. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's okay to I know I'm going to feel envious when I see beautiful zinnias in July and mine still haven't bloomed. What but- is it that uh, you're wondering why <laughs> Brett and Annie produce? Uh, what, what was it that they get maybe blooms before you do? Oh, our peonies. Oh, yeah, they get peonies. Brett came up with that real quick, I noticed. Yeah, <laughs> our peonies. <laughs> Ours are yes, actually it's up not there. a competition. It's not a competition. January, <laughs> January 17th, I've got a whole bouquet of them cut in here. In the, they're just about ready to open. <laughs> We get so we have um, the microclimate. We have the both the microclimate and the heat sink of Lexington and everything yeah. else uh, creates this two week window of bragging rights. Mm-hmm. Literally the only time in my life that I will have flower bragging rights over Alexis, and it's <laughs> in no way my anything I did. And that correlates very nicely with your, the number of social posts that you're going to make. That's right. They will be wow. on all the platforms. Lots Feeling of pictures. bad for everybody who doesn't have peonies yet, but we're Man. Full of I feel like every time Annie posts Winnie. that, I'm just like, she's just rubbing it in. She's just, <laughs> she's just posting a beautiful photo and how happy she is and how much light, you know, how much it's giving her energy. And, you know, it's not about anybody else. And I'm just like, she's just, she's just rubbing it in. <laughs> I'm going to have to tag you next. I'm going to have to tag you this year. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> That's what I have. <laughs> 
Well, one thing, one thing, one very specific thing I, I wanted uh, that I'm growing this year. Uh, maybe and maybe everybody can say one, you know, one thing that they're going to be trying that they're most excited about or something to close us out here. But so I came across there is a uh, and I've talked about it, I think before on the podcast, but I'm actually growing it. I've got it stratified and scarified and stratified, waiting to go in the seed starting trays is Ilex vomitoria, also known <laughs> as Yopen Holly. Mm-hmm. So I don't, the vomitoria is Sounds like you should eat it or drink a tea just based on the name. <laughs> well, so it's, it's, it's actually Josh, thank you for bringing that up because <laughs> uh, the reason for that name is actually European ethnocentrism in the process of naming the plant. All right. So decolonize it for us. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm, I'm about to be de- as, as a white guy, let me decolonize this. <laughs> So they, there was a, it's, it is, well, I'll, I'll preface it by saying it is the the only one that I can find as far as like citations or, or evidence for though. It, I've been informed by a, uh, the uh, Ross Clark, the professor emeritus of horticulture from uh, Eastern Kentucky university. Who's a, a recent acquaintance that it's probably not the only plant that is this way, but it's the only one that we really know. Well, it is the only North American native species that contains caffeine. Oh yeah, I just looked it up and saw that. Wow! And so what happened was there were some some dudes who knew Latin who observed groups of indigenous people drinking this tea and also doing a bunch of other crazy stuff, sure. and then they would throw up. Let's make more of it. You know, it was kind of like a. It probably was the upper to kind of counteract some of the other things that were going in some you know uh, ceremonies mm-hmm. and other things, and it was just part of the process. But it does not, in fact, make you vomitoria. It Ugh. it just has, and so I'm gonna. It's hardy. It's supposed to be hardy to here, and mm-hmm. it grows. I think it, Texas and and other places like that. But it, yeah. There is, huge range it's like yeah and there's that you can buy it virginia to oklahoma texas all the way down to florida you can buy it commercially um they people that there's this yopen brothers holly tea that or yopen yopen brothers tea or whatever they sell i've tried it tastes kind of like regular tea but the uh i'm annie grows all the herbal teas and that's great and it's you know very calming and soothing (laughs) but you know i need to just get a little little jolt in the system looking Uh, for that octane hit so I'm going mm-hmm. to try to grow that. And it's a, it's yeah. a perennial. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to try to get one established there. And we have a couple other to make maybe a, like a herbal tea blend with a little bit of caffeine is uh, an exciting potential product of the Owls. Womble House nice. backyard. <laughs> you will have added something very unique if you're successful to the jars of dried goodness that you guys that's already right. have collected. Yeah, that that's exciting. Yeah, I'm pretty cool. Any any wow. reviews on the taste on that? I'm just curious, Brett. Like it tasted mm, kind of just like a, a standard. It tasted a lot like a, like tea, a tea, regular tea. Yeah, regular okay. tea, Camellia never... sinensis. Uh, <laughs> and in case any, I've gotten into Josh got me kicked off on tea, and so I, naturally I couldn't just enjoy it on a <laughs> no low level. Right. Like on yeah, you had to go deep down the rabbit insane. hole. Yeah, um, but, but, there's like a Wikipedia entry on black drink, which is like about this. That yeah. Is, Got yeah. some cool pictures, um, and I'm yeah. just picturing your face on some of these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the but the it's like green tea, black tea, all that kind of stuff. It's actually the same, generally the same species, different varietals that are just treated in different ways. So green tea and black tea are not different species; they mm. are just different treatments of the same species, which mm-hmm. I did not know until recently. Mm, I was no. reading about that, but uh, yeah, Sneaky. it's gonna be. It's going to be interesting. And it, it just tasted kind of like somewhere between a black tea and a green tea. Pretty subtle. Hmm. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. All the right. plans. Dad always said that uh, gardeners and uh, farmers were eternal optimists, always banking on the future. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, other than your always Cherokee something. purples or anything, uh, Cherokee purples, another uh, uh, wackadoo varieties, I think you said, uh, of tomatoes. Any other particular things you're looking forward to trying this year, Ray? No, the only other thing I'm uh, wanting to do, it's more hardscapey, but uh, it's better water delivery to my little revamped garden area. I've redone my garden area. And um, I mentioned on an earlier podcast uh, when we were talking about rain barrels, is I want to do a better job collecting that. And I have a nice elevation drop, which gives me pressure, passive pressure down to that garden area. And I want to redo all of that and make it more efficient and maybe be able to collect a little bit more um 
water at one time because I don't have enough now. A small barrel is not going to water this bigger garden. So that that's the only other thing that's a, a big project that's not a plant, but it's a delivery, you know, getting the water to the the garden to try to do a little bit better. But yeah, hope to do a better job with that and capture a resource that's normally just kind of going literally down the uh, gutter. Yeah. Nice. Always with the plans. Josh. What? I already talked about my hardscaping. He said, what? I'm already what? doing so. Is there a I'm plan? I'm going to pave the your... world, man. What's, do you know what phase one might be? I mean, I feel like it's going to be mostly hardscaping if I were to um, start with some some plants that I'd want to get going would probably be um, common culinary herbs, uh, rosemary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like... Um, onion chives a lot oh yeah i don't get enough play in my food um (laughs) oregano basil probably yeah i mean the your common cast of characters i'm really advocating for you uh josh a uh, outdoor pizza oven because i am looking for that pizza i mean that would be and like man you can make like a lot of like like the non thing that i started messing mm-hmm. around with it. It made me get back into like playing around with dough. If I can oh, yeah. plug a book yeah. is that um, artisan bread in five minutes a mm-hmm. day is like, that's my thing is understanding how to get something really quick. <laughs> um, <laughs> how can we have yeah. this? Um, yeah. And uh, something I like about that process is like, there's basically like a master dough recipe that you can then use to make all kinds of stuff. And that would be a, welcome like a welcome component to that would be like an outdoor kind of oven situation i got a friend who uh put one of those together on his own farm and you know they do like pizzas and stuff and oh it's man awesome um that would be probably like not next level year. yeah next level <laughs> yeah alexis you got anything besides your your reclaimed july my re um if we're thinking th- new things i'm trying which were uh, had already been put in motion several months ago but i am shooting for valentine's day tulips this year so oh, i'm nice. just experimenting with about 200 bulbs well and the other thing i'm experimenting with i'm doing all of my tulips in crates and while oh, i've done that oh. before i still did them in crates outside like i planted them the crates I've just kind of mulched up next next to them, but we've not been getting the cold that we need. So all of my tulips, which I only do about what did I do this year? About twelve hundred tulips, which isn't oh, that's it. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I think for, I did like twenty one year, and I was like, this is awesome for, for flower for the, growers for the, for the conversion. That's twenty four hundred lips. <laughs> Two lips times by two. But anyway, well, I mean, you can fit like 60 to 75 bulbs in one like crate. And these are, you know, like not milk crates. They're, you know, kind of two milk crates size, but uh, as far as width goes. But anyway, so I'm doing them all and they're all in my cooler right now. And I check on them, you know, making slightly panicked and whether or not they're going to grow and do anything. But I did pull all my tulips out for Valentine's Day. They're officially in the greenhouse. And we will see what happens. There are a hundred things that could go wrong, but it was relatively low, like, you know, low cost for me. So it's worth a shot if I can have some tul- fresh tulips on Valentine's Day. So I'm nice. excited. Oh, man, that's awesome. That's really <laughs> exciting. I'll let you all know. I'll keep you posted. Yeah, we'll it's know fun soon to enough. Talk about all these yeah, we'll projects know soon. when it's so cold <laughs> and dreary out in January, mm-hmm. uh, beginning of February, wintertime. It's fun to dream about all the things that we want to do and all the improvements we want to make and maximize on our Check enjoyment of everything. In August. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I'm August, a victim August of my is own the planning. one that's actually a hundred days long. Yeah. Yes, that yeah. is the one like, when you regret your life choices. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, we hope that you guys, our listeners, our our true leaves out there, maybe the fellowship have come up with some <laughs> awesome things that you all are doing, or you know, maybe you're inspired to make some changes or you're inspired to not do the things that we're doing because maybe it sounds crazy to you. Twelve hundred twelve hundred listen in the flower world, that's chump change. So if you're not doing sixty thousand tulips, you don't do commercial <laughs> tulips. You're just dabbling around like a baby. <laughs> Pretty much. 
But anyways, we hope that you all maybe find something and are excited for the new year. Again, as always, feel free to uh, send us an email that is in the show notes. If you've got any ideas, you can also send us a direct message on Instagram at Hort Culture Podcasts. We would love to hear from you. We've got some people who have reached out to us with some cool ideas. So we're going to work them into uh, the schedule. It's exciting. And we've got some uh, really cool guests coming up as well. So we hope that you will um, join us for those episodes and stay posted. And we are just happy to be here. So thank you for having us and have a great one.